Mm. Um, I'm yep. just, excuse me, are you hearing my cat meowing in the background? Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah but that's fun. Together, these things are fine, but yeah. I'm on a podcast with Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. My name is Adam Jones. We just had a phenomenal interview with Dr. Rick Brinkman, author an, of uh, Dealing with People You Can't Stand. He was an absolute legend. So, Dealing with People You Can't Stand, how to bring out the best in people at their worst. Mate, tell us, who is Dr. Rick? Mate, so he's been a keynote speaker in 18 countries. Not only this book, he's written four others, including Dealing with Relatives, Bringing Out the Best in Family, Life by Design, Bringing Out the Best in Yourself. He's had clients such as astronauts at NASA, Department of Defense, Sony Pictures, and he's been a guest on CNN, Oprah Magazine, USA Today, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal, mate. He's an absolute heavy hitter. Mate, the book was phenomenal. I just love the, the lens of understanding, which just combined like two different spectrums, three different zones, four different behaviors, and 13 different personalities, all into just one simple quarter of a page diagram. It's phenomenal. Mate, we cover a lot of ground in this interview, and uh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And he's a funny guy. He's put up a, a site. If you head to www.rickbrinkman.com slash what you will learn, there's a few little goodies in there and you can see the lens of understanding there as well. Mate, uh, let's, uh, it's Rick time, I reckon. <laughs> it's time Rick for City. Rick. <laughs> well, so we're back with the, the What You Will Learn podcast and today we're with Dr. Rick Brinkman, the author of Dealing With People You Can't Stand. Dr. Rick, thanks for coming on and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, from New York City originally, and uh, upon completing biology and pre-med, and I heard a rumor there's something west of New Jersey, so I got a van, I went cross country, and 17,000 miles and three and a half months later, I met a guy who told me about uh, a nature path, which I thought was a trail in a national forest, but a naturopathic physician goes to a four-year medical school, trained in all the same diagnostics and sciences, when it's time to get therapeutic, instead of spending as much time on pharmacology and surgery, you are going to be required to take four years of clinical nutrition, required to take psychology and counseling, so you influence people, do what's good for them. And when all is said and done, your life uh, fast forward then five years. I'm in practice after four years of school and a residency, and I've got this case. Here's a lady who's had arthritis for 15 years. She's tried everything I've ever heard of, whether it was a traditional or alternative, and uh, nothing's worked. So I figure, hey, what, what do I got to lose? I'll pry into her life. Uh, so I find out her husband works for the federal government. So he's flying from one coast to the other each week, from Portland, Oregon to Washington, D.C. She's hated that job for 20 years, hasn't expressed and wants to support him. Uh, when minor upsets would occur, she wouldn't deal with it because they really only had two days a week to be together. So, so mm-hmm. she would suppress that. Uh, he was supposed to take an early retirement, and he decided against that, and she suppressed her feelings about that too. Now, if you suppress too much something you care about, it's going to build up a barrier between the two of you. My entire prescription is to teach her how you share upset without the other person being attacked. She did this, and 30 days later, symptoms were gone. And they stayed gone, yeah. and I got what's known in the medical business as a case of fish mouth, when you look like this. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> more and more people. Uh, I realize how, you know, the blinding flesh of the obvious, that there's more to us than our physical body, and that our relationships around us is going to have a huge influence on us also whether we're fulfilling values and goals that are important to us you know i can't even begin to tell you how much depression and low energy syndrome has just cleared up literally overnight 
when I have people clarify their values, set some goals, make a plan to get there, mm-hmm. yeah. and then tune up their self-esteem so they believe they can get there. I mean, you know, here for your listeners, here's a, here's a quick tip to to bum yourself out in case you ever get too happy. Pick something in your present that you really hate and see it keep going forever in your future. <laughs> you will immediately feel terrible and you'll drain yourself of energy. But if there's something you don't like in, in the present, but you're clear about your goal and the plan to get there and you're moving forward, all of a sudden you feel good. Mm-hmm. So basically one thing led to another, and that's what led to the book Dealing with People You Can't Stand, and what also led to the book Life by Design, which is about the values and goals and such that I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. awesome. One thing um, one thing I noticed on your website, you talk a bit about conscious communication. What What's that about? Well, you know, we all know how to communicate, uh, and, but we do it unconsciously. And you know how you, you have people, of course, who you really are close to and you get along so well. But then there's people you just meet and there's something about you that just kind of mm. meshes. And then there's people that's just like, eh, doesn't work. <laughs> So there, there is something that's going on in communication between the two of you when it's working, and there's something different that's not working. And what being a conscious communicator is about is paying attention to the cause-effect relationship between what you do and what you get from people. You can think of people like musical instruments, so we play them. Yeah. Well, if we don't like the tune we're getting, we got to change something different in how we're playing them. And so a conscious communicator is starting to pay attention on another level as to what is what really happens uh, when communication is working. And, what, well, okay, what am I not doing with this one person over here? And then it, the next step, of course, is to be flexible and, and do something different. Uh, I mean, of all the things we could focus on that can have such an impact on the quality of your life, you hardly have to make time for communication and relationships because it's all around you all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mm-hmm. limitation is that we as human beings can only pay attention to seven give or take two things at any one time consciously. So you could be aware of what I just said, what you think about, radio breathing, temperature in the room, right foot, left index finger. If we hear crash, <laughs> and if we hear it on two continents, we sure really worry about it. But uh, if we hear crash, there goes our attention, something drops out, and so that's our limited attention. Well, we have a part of our brainstem called our reticular activating system. It's got many functions, but one of it's radar. So if you get married, suddenly it looks like everybody's getting married. Mm-hmm. And if you have children, it looks like a baby boom. And if you're interested <laughs> in a certain car, there it goes again. <laughs> I mean, part of our brain's going, and then you see it, whatever that is. So being conscious communicator is getting your attention, a little bit of your attention focused on what, what happens in communication what works and what doesn't. Don't take it for granted. And and like anything you learn, when you put a little bit of attention on it, then before you know it, it just becomes mm-hmm. this automatic thing. You know, like if you drive, you can now, you one time you have to think about so many things while you're driving. I remember I couldn't listen to the radio and yeah. have the windshield wipers at the same time. <laughs> but now I can drive like 100 miles and I don't even remember how I got through there. <laughs> oh, it looks dense. I guess I the trip. <laughs> That's awesome. And Dr. Rick, what do you do day to day at the moment? What's your What's your everyday life at the moment? Oh well, I travel all over, and and I do either trainings. Uh, it could be half day, full day, or I might do keynote speeches. Mm-hmm. The biggest group I ever did was uh, the American Association of Healthcare. That was eight thousand people. The opening keynote. Uh, I did a uh, half day training for all the astronauts at NASA at their Health wow. and Safety Day on communication or uh, like the undersecretary of defense and all the people who do the defense budget budget at the pentagon they all they wanted a full day training but they couldn't stop what they're doing they just have too much always going on so they did it 
three programs, three full day programs back to back in shifts with 50 people, 50 people. So uh, that's part of it. And then, you know, the other part could be creative stuff. Like I made an online class, Conscious Communication University. Awesome. I have a green screen studio in my home. And uh, so there's seven hours of video training there. Or books. My next book is dealing with meetings you can't stand. That, that comes out. <laughs> is that, that's pretty much every meeting, isn't it? I, it's true. It's universal. <laughs> I saw a survey. Ninety-eight percent of people agreed. Yeah. Half their time in the meeting is a waste of time. Yep. Yep. Hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we. <laughs> when when does that next book come out? April twenty-eighth. Uh, oh. I, I know in the U.S. In, in terms of this podcast, I was thinking oh, I should find out from my editor. So I'll find mm-hmm. out about Australia and let you know. Yeah, awesome. That's, that's, Maybe we could do a show so, about meetings. Sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely love to because, yeah, there's plenty of meetings that I can't stand, that's for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. plenty. Yeah, so and we, it goes with those behaviors, you know, that we will talk about shortly in the lens of understanding. How Because, well, we'll get there. No, that, that <laughs> we'll sounds like the perfect time. time. Yeah. yeah. That, that lens of understanding was just, uh, I was just blown away by, like, how many, you got the two different spectrums, you got... Four different behaviors. You got three different zones. So it was just so much information into just one simple um, diagram. I loved it. So can you tell us a little bit of, about the lens of understanding? All right, are our viewers going to be seeing it? Are we recording the video so they'll see it? Yeah, uh, we can. We, we got, can, the, we we got the video, it. and we can we can link up the. Uh, I've seen I've seen the PDF there as well that we can chuck up as well. Okay. All right, great. So um, we've, the first thing you have to do is separate personality from behavior. Uh, per, uh, behavior is fluid it's constantly changing one minute a person's normal then they blow throw a tantrum then they withdraw in their quiet for a while then they're normal then they're whining then there's something else the two factors that affect where we go in any moment behaviorally are context where are we what's going on so right now we're in this podcast we could be in a business meeting we could be in a, a market somewhere whatever and then relationship who are we with uh Context and relationship that determines you. You know, for example, let's say somebody's in their work context and a person is acting a certain way. Let's say they're having a tantrum or yelling. What they want will probably change if the relationship to that person is it's their boss mm-hmm. or it's a team member mm-hmm. or it's somebody who they consider a client or a customer. Depending on the relationship, it could be the same behavior, but what you want will change. For sure. Now, reversing that, so let's say the relationship is. Uh, a spouse or someone you're in a committed relationship to. Issue comes up in the context of a restaurant, you may want different things that the same issue comes up in the context of your home. Mm. Same person, same issue, but now context is going to control everything. So uh, here's the thing. If we, if we think uh, – so behavior is fluid and it's changing, and it's going to change according to context and relationship. Now, remember, we have seven bits of conscious attention. And we have a reticular activating system. So if I think somebody's personality is negative, guess what I'm going to notice? Yeah. Doot, doot, there they are again. Told myself, knew nothing would work with that. <laughs> you know, you can engage in the strategy of negativity. You could be having quite an impact. Half the time they have a solution, not a problem. You know what? You will not even yeah. notice it. Yeah. So I caution people, personality typing is a little too big of a generalization to be functionally useful. It's better to think behavior, what's happening right mm-hmm. here and now. And based on this context and this relationship. So with that in mind, okay, you've got a lens of understanding. And if you're looking at the PDF or whatever, you see there's a cooperation zone in the middle. And there's no issues when we're all in the cooperation zone. And we need to – we have four intents that we always have. We need to get, get things done and we want to uh, get it right. And we want to get along with people and we want to get appreciated by people. 
Now, let's put ourselves in our own shoes. If we need to get something done, then what's going to happen on a behavior level, we're going to focus on the task at hand. Mm -hmm. We're going to push forward and get more assertive to make it happen. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes to get things done. On the other hand, it's important to get it right. If we want to get it right, though, we remain focused on the task. Now we go, whoa, slow it down to make sure the details get covered. Uh-huh. So obviously, given anything you're working on, there's always some balance that you have to figure out, right? Mm. We need to get along with people. Everybody has some good friends. When you want to get along with people, uh, you will focus on people because that's who you're getting along with. But there tends to be, uh, we tend to get a little less assertive when we're getting along. Sure. And you can observe this when people want to get something to eat. You want to get something to eat? Sure. Where would you like to go? Well, I don't know. Where would you like to go? <laughs> I don't know. Are you hungry? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> Do we not know if we're we can figure this out? <laughs> but what we're doing is we make our own needs secondary to please to uh-huh. please others. Yep. So that's getting along. And then we have get appreciated. And there, you know, if we want to be appreciated by people, that's who we focus on. But in those cases, we tend to get more assertive because what goes hand in hand is contribution. Ooh, ooh, you ever gone to space for lunch? You haven't. Everybody, let's go now. <laughs> so I'm I'm myself out and I hope to be appreciated. All right, so that's the cooperation zone, and, and those are always operating in us, and one of them becomes a little more important than the other, depending on where we are, context, and who we're with, and so our behavior moves in different directions. But if people are not getting what they need from those around them, they then go into this next phase, which is the yellow zone, the caution zone. Mm. So let's go back to needing to get something done, all right? The deadline is upon us. We are responsible for the end result. We're checking on some of our team members, and we're, we discover that they use what's called the balloon strategy of time management. So when you move forward like this. <laughs> Can you see how this stress you out? Yeah, absolutely. What naturally happens. All right, people, here's what we're going to do. Control, take over, then it happens. Yeah. What if it's got to be right and the people we depend on for information tell us, well, I don't know, it's about 50, I think. You think, then we're going into perfection, into the details. If we want to get along when it's not happening, we go into approval, do things to make sure everything's okay between us. And if we want to be appreciated, we go into attention, do things to get people to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that yellow zone, also called the caution zone, is not necessarily a problem. In fact, sometimes yellow zone is a solution. Mm-hmm. Somebody takes charge and moves us forward mm-hmm. finally at a meeting. Or somebody makes sure all those important details get covered. But if people get too stressed out, want to see something really scary <laughs> they'll turn into these people in the red zone all right things are not getting done out of control i've had enough tank i can't believe what i'm seeing here you people must be genetic mistakes you have been working on us two weeks you're already three weeks behind now here's what we're going to do parliament is now dissolved i'm in control any questions good <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's the tank <laughs> yeah if you, they they have a tread. You can hear it. And they're looking for people off task. Yep. Find somebody. Boom! <laughs> they ripped it. And the biggest irony, hey, it's nothing personal. That's it. Just trying to get it done. And it's not because it's not personal. You're in the way of an end result, so you got to be eliminated. You yeah. know, that's the way it is. So uh, in that danger zone... In that danger zone, who yeah. like, who pisses you off the most out of all the, all the different personality types? Personal. Yeah, personally. Personally? Yeah, personally. 
go through them and then I'll answer that, mm, yeah. that if that's okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So let's... what you also get, okay, let's say I resent you about something. You got a promotion I think I should have gotten. So uh, you stand in front of your peers and I say stuff like, yeah, I got a great idea. Let's play Horace. I'll be the head. You just be yourself. <laughs> hey, don't get all emotional. Can't you take a joke? If you ever had an original thought of being in solitary confinement, hey, just kidding. Sniping. When people are, have anger or resentment that's suppressed, then it can come out of sniping. It could be to the face or, you know, stabbing you in the back. Mm. Uh, the sniper is basically not getting mad, they're getting even. Mm. If you have, add a bunch of ego and knowledge to the recipe, then control easily goes know-it-all. That's right. I know 99% and I'm happy to tell you how much I know for hours on end. <laughs> Go on and on and on, but I never listen to your clearly inferior ideas. Yeah. Uh, so know-it-all controls through knowledge. Now, shifting gears, if we go to that get it right area of the lens where I could see perfection, I can see what could be. I look mm -hmm. at what is, what is does not measure up what could be. And then I feel helpless to do anything about <laughs> it. That's how whining starts. Now, when people are whining, they got radar like tanks, but whiner radar sounds like this. Boop, boop. Oh, there's a problem. Pick it up. My bag. Boop. Oh, there's another one. And another in a bag, it's so heavy, I can't take it, so I come to you. Here. <laughs> I fight. So whining is a feeling of being helpless. Uh, uh, whereas some people, instead of helpless, go hopeless, and that's how you get negativity. No behavior. Forget it. We tried it. Nothing ever changes. Every silver cloud has a dark lining. <laughs> you, you suggest an idea to them, they go, pull. Boom. Got that idea. Someone launch another while I reload. <laughs> <laughs> and yet other people just give up. Fine. Do it your way. Don't come crying to me when it doesn't work out. And from that point on, I say, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing, <came. laughs> nothing. But we know nothing comes out of another motivation because we, we move to the get-along area of the lens. Uh, if you don't have something nice to say, don't mm. say it at all. I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings, so I say, I wouldn't want you to be mad at me, so I say. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're in the get-along area of the lens and you want something from me, I want something from you, your approval. So I am very agreeable, and I say, sure. Oh, you need it on Friday? Okay. And you want that on Thursday? Okay. Oh, you need me to take you to over here? Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I'm overcommitted and things don't get done. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about this, conscious communicators. If we're in that area of the lens to get along and we're upset about something, well, if you don't have something nice to say, so the get-along part keeps the lid on the upset. But if it if it is significant, then we go from yes person to your face to sniper behind mm. the back, what we call mm. passive aggressive. And what if we're faced with a decision that hurts somebody's feelings? Then we're going to go, I'll think about it. Mm. Mm, ask me later. Well, and that's my final decision. I'm sure we've all told the salesperson, <laughs> I'll think about it. That's were we really planning on <laughs> Yeah. Okay. okay, so now shifting gears, let's go to the get attention zone. This is where you get, nobody cares! I'm the pro wall today! I don't want to bother! It's the government's fault! <laughs> it's it's that, that tantrum, the sudden like explosion. And the difference between a tank and a grenade is that the tank should be in jail, grenade should be institutionalized. <laughs> Actually, it's a level of intent. See, a tank needs to do it. A tank takes aim and leaves useful people standing, whereas a grenade blows up in 360 degrees. You, mm -hmm. when, with a tank attack, you may disagree with what they're doing or how they're perceiving it, but you know what it's about. Mm -hmm. With a grenade, you're usually going, uh, what? <laughs> huh? It doesn't make sense. It's too mm -hmm. disproportionate to press. 
So whereas a tank attack's a demand for action, a grenade tantrum's really a demand for attention. Mm -hmm. uh, what you also yep. get in that area of the of get attention is another kind of sniper. This is friendly fire. This is people who actually like you. So they say, hey, I never forget a face, but in your case, I'll make an exception. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I heard you lost your last job due to fatigue. They got sick and tired of you. <laughs> it's, it's teasing. It's friendly put-down humor. It's friendly gossip. It's not really intending to hurt people. Sometimes it can. And then last but not least, what you also get there is think they know it all. Oh, yeah, I'm an mm -hmm. expert. And I believe it, too, because whenever I speak, it's come out of my mouth. They come back in both my ears, and I think, hey, this must be true. I heard it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so different uh, behaviors. And to answer your question about which one bugs me the most, that would, would have always been the grenade Yeah, uh, was the most annoying. The reason for that... You see, we're all wired in different ways. So, first of all, growing up in New York City, sniping is at its its pinnacle. In fact, the way you show affection, you say, I'm going to break your legs off, beat your head up to the bloody pulp, and throw away the limbs. And he knows <laughs> it's my best buddy. But it also, it also gets you a thick skin. So, sniping never bothered me. And then, plus, uh, in a, especially in a business setting, I would tend to be more assertive and take charge and, and uh, control. And I, I can easily, and I'm very in control of my emotions, so I can easily go to DEFCON 4 with a tank, but then when they, and you meet them where they are, and then you bring them back. So the tank was easy to deal with. And then at the other extreme, the nothing person was always easy to deal with, because on a more personal level, I would tend to be a nothing person. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, you take, I wouldn't say anything. Now, if you interacted with me, I would certainly interact genuinely with you, but I wouldn't necessarily initiate so that made that easy to deal with, but the grenade then becomes the arch enemy because for somebody who's very assertive and under control emotionally, somebody who's losing their mm. cookies, right, <laughs> in a total tantrum is like, WTF, what? You know, it's like really set them up, and then nothing automatically withdraws from intensity. So the same place where I was wired that made those easy made the grenade the arch enemy. Yeah. Absolutely. And are people, uh, are people one or the other, or they mix through different ones depending on the circumstances, or, or what's, your, what's your take on that? Depends on the circumstances, and when we say circumstances, we're talking uh, context, where are we, what's going on, and relationship, who, who are we, uh, we with. I mean, I remember when I was interviewing the CEO of a company to do a, a seminar for her, and she admitted that she was very controlling, and at work, if she gets a too stressed, she goes tank. Uh, but then she says when she goes home, she becomes a whiner to her husband about the problems at work. Now, <laughs> yeah. from her husband's perspective, you can't understand. How does she possibly run a company? She's such mm. a whiner. But he doesn't get to see her in that blazing tank get it done <laughs> glory, right? Yeah, nice. So we only know a limited amount of people. And people will seem to be a certain way because we only know them in certain contexts and certain relationships. But no, people, you're right, circumstances, depending on who we're with, where we are, people can be all over the map. Yeah. And uh, where do we get our personalities from? Is it from, from nature or are we, are we born with it or, or are we taught it as we grow up? <clears throat> well, I think that's a combination of both. I think anybody who's had children and especially if they have, have had more than one can see they come into the world with an attitude. Or any, there's something about them, right? And uh, and then, of course, as they go through life, they're going to have the fingerprints of their life experience and their parents and stuff. And we, a lot of times, model our parents uh, unconsciously. We may take on behavior.
behaviors. Uh, sometimes some people do the opposite. You know, if their parents are really negative, they go the opposite way. So that was a, a good reverse modeling. Mm. Um, I'm yep. just, are you hearing my cat meow in the background? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's fine. It's fine. It's, uh, yeah, it reminds us of that YouTube video you've got up there. Together. Time, but yeah. I'm on a podcast with Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Was he uh, was he the star of the show in the the video you did the art of the apology? Yes, that's Mr. Neelix. I was I animated Mr. Neelix. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that was good... Leela, his girlfriend. <laughs> that might be a good time. What's uh? Can you tell us about the art of the apology? Because uh, some people are very bad at apologizing, aren't they? I found that um, most people mean well when they're apo- uh, apologizing, but they do one little thing called dextifying that totally screws it up. And dexify means defend, explain, and justify. And now when you're doing it, you have a good intent behind it. You're wanting the other person to understand. Oh, I was stressed out. I had all this stuff going on. I didn't mean it. That's your good intentions. But how it's going to sound to the receiver is you're making excuses for how it was. And, uh, okay, hold on. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dr. Rick, he's got to, he's going to sort out Mr. Neelix. Is it Mr. Neelix? Yeah. 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 Or yeah, Leela. That cat. Or Leela. Is, it, is that one Leela? Mr. Neelix's girlfriend. Mate, how interesting. That is a ledge. Definitely learning quite a bit. And if, uh, if you guys are listening on the potty, I think it's worth looking on YouTube. Cause yeah, how do you, he's got how, a few good gags. How, in apology. He moves quickly into... um. Yes. Each each personality each. type. He gets his whole body involved, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and I put his his suit on because once he wears the suit, he knows we're going, and he tends to calm down. So <laughs> we have at least a fifteen minute grace period, right? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. Uh, so the deck's defined, defend, explain, and justify. So it's going to sound like you're making excuses. So really a trick with an apology is you start out with a statement of intent. You know, um, intent is purpose. And anytime you're worried about somebody taking something the wrong way, that's a signal for sta- a statement of intent. So you'd say, you know, I really um, want to have a good relationship with you. And uh, I'm really sorry for what happened between us. And, uh, um, and at that point, you would stop and breathe because that's the point you're going to want to dextify defend, mm-hmm. explain and justify if you stop and breathe it's going to land mm-hmm. if you dextify what you're doing is taking you and the other person back to that situation you're explaining your thing mm-hmm. well then they're going to say well here's my thing and how you insulted me or whatever that is so you're really with good intentions taking both of you back to a place you shouldn't go it was quicksand back then it's still quicksand now mm-hmm. You just want to have a statement of intent. I want to have a good relationship with you. Uh, you don't have to say you did anything wrong necessarily. You could say, just say, I'm sorry for what happened between us, you know, because you may not feel like you were necessarily to blame. You two just did uh-huh. something maybe simultaneously. Uh, in other cases, maybe there is something. I'm sorry I, I really didn't listen to you. I mean, I feel like you were upset and you really needed somebody to listen to and I wasn't there for you. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's the trick with apologizing. Yep. That's yep. yeah. So definitely not a I'm sorry, but dot dot dot. <laughs> Lose the but. Anytime you transition with a but, it sounds like where you're going to go is going to contradict where yeah. you just came from. Yeah. Yeah. 
Phenomenal. I notice in dealing with every type of person, you always talk about always identify positive intent. Is is that something we always need to be doing for you to become better communicators? Well, it's a good idea to assume that people are coming from positive in, intent. It, it's I call it projecting positive on them. So, you know, uh, I used to play, uh, well, I still play gym hockey. It's plastic sticks and a plastic puck in, in a gymnasium. Uh, so a lot of the guys are Russians. There's Vladimir and Boris and Sasha and Alex and Alex and Alex and Alex and Alex. <laughs> so we had to, I don't know, I had half the guys in Russia, I think, are Alex. So we had to sort them out. So we had big Alex because of his size. We had red Alex because of his hair color. And we had negative Alex because of his attitude. What, you cannot pass puck, but language you need to speak to get pass. And you, broken leg, cannot run. Always it's wrong, never what's right. But I did notice that he liked to play hockey in the get-it-right area of the lens. It wasn't about winning. It was about a good game. It wasn't about scoring. It was about making a really conscious, pretty play. So I, the problem was we'd always choose up sides, you know, just on who shows up. And, and he and I had – we just had chemistry together. So we liked to play uh, on the same team. But then nobody wanted to be on the same team with us because he was always so critical of anybody, always criticizing. So one time I said to him – I think it's great how much you care about people learning to play better. He goes, what? I said, obviously you care a lot. You tell people all the time what they're doing wrong. Why would you bother wasting your time and energy if you didn't want them to learn what to do right? Right? He goes, I suppose. Now, anytime you project positive, it's like a little shove, and, and it's a step in that direction. People are not going to deny your positive expectations of them. You know, like let's say I have to give some step aside from Alex for a moment. Let's say I had to give somebody some feedback. Oh, you know, some of your team members have been complaining about, hey, I'm a team player, da 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 da. They would immediately get defensive. If I want to nip that in the bud, I project positive. Listen, I know you're a team player, and I know you really care about your team members. What are they going to say now? Oh, no, you're wrong. I love annoying people. And if I don't annoy you guys, it's a new record. Woo! <laughs> no. It's, all right, so so with Alex, what I started to do is every time he was critical, I said, thanks for telling him, or now he knows what to do next time, or soon we'll all be making plays. And I did that for two weeks, and you know, before you knew it, he started to actually do that. He saw that people, he made mm. the connection, that people yeah. are, if you do that, uh, they uh, they get better. And he wasn't the negative person he once was. That's That's projecting positive intent. Yeah, love it. Unreal. So changing gears a little bit, uh, you've got a wide range of, uh, I'd say, knowledge. What, what's the most valuable book you've ever read or the, mo- the book you've recommended the most to people? My own book is what I recommend the most. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'd say Not overall, what, what was life-changing for me, and this was uh, with me and Rick Kirscher, my co-author, was we uh, neurolinguistic programming, yep. NLP, uh, Anthony Robbins is famous mm. for it, but he's not the creator of it. Mm. Uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder are the initial creators of that. And uh, at the time, and this was the late 78, 79, 80, there were only about seven or eight NLP books, and we read them all. And we were in the clinic, you know, because we were seeing patients already as students. I was a senior, Rick was a junior, and we started doing some of these techniques with people and it was amazing what was symptoms that were suddenly disappearing you know uh, we had a one with a class four pap and and she came from down from up from stanford university they don't want to do a hysterectomy but she's 23 she wanted to have kids some point and uh we dug deeper into all right uh, well about her her see her identity as a woman and relationship she was having and we did some counseling work with her and four weeks later her her cervix was normal so 
this really gave us the tools to NLP to, to open up, oh. not just interact with other people, but also in your in terms of yourself. You like, all right, like speaking in front of groups. You know, I was scared, I was nervous. I, I got a thousand deaths in four years, but then I learned about modeling. This is when you 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 take a quality from somebody else. So I asked myself, all right, who would, I want to be calm and centered. Who would be calm and centered in front of 200 people? And who I thought of was Kwai Chang Kane from the Kung Fu television show. This was a TV show from the late 70s. It's David Carradine. He's a Kung Fu master in the old Wild West. That was the first time they you know, threw people in slow motion and such. Uh, he's not going to worry about 200 people. He could take them if they rush the stage. <laughs> So I, all I did was get inside Kwai Chang. How does Kwai Chang feel, think? And uh, all of a sudden I was calm and centered and pff, everything just disappeared. So that's called, that's called modeling. And so it, it also gives you the tools to really t uh, change your behavior and your reactions to anybody and anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And your book, uh, it's, a, it's a really good title, obviously. It draws people in. Everyone, everyone's at someone they can't stand. Yeah. You got a bit of uh, a bit of publicity out of it. I, I saw one I really liked. I think it was in the uh, Cosmo magazine, was it? The bitch tip of the month. Mm. Oh yeah, bitch tip of the month. <laughs> what was it? What was the bitch tip? Uh, the bitch tip. They said, "All right, this." They give you a scenario and they ask you what what can. So the scenario was that somebody you're in line, let's say at a Starbucks or something like that, and somebody's being way too close to you. They're standing way too close in line. What do you do? Now, uh, keep in mind this: when when they asked for this, the swine flu was this big ah deal thing. <laughs> so I I say you, you turn around, you go, wow, this swine flu is a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that gets people away from you pretty quickly, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely love it. All right, Rick, thanks for uh, thanks for the time this morning, mate. We definitely got a lot out of it, and I'm gonna we probably should review a few NLP books. You've yeah, uh, yeah sounds. I'd love to be able to model people, especially yeah. on stage. Yeah, is there anything you want to leave us? Yeah. Where can people find you? Where can people find your books and your um, conscious communication university? Well. All right, are you, are you able to insert a URL? I can make something special for your viewers. Yeah, yeah, I, the page is, yeah. All right, great. It'll be rickbrinkman.com slash what you will learn, and I'll send you an email when that is posted. Um, but as far as conscious, and I'll, we'll, yeah, and it'll have a link there yeah. to yeah. the conscious communication yeah. universe. Everything will be there. Yeah, fantastic. So, so rickbrinkman.com slash what you will learn. Yes, that's what we'll do. Fantastic. That's awesome. Normal. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd strongly recommend people check out all your books yeah. and your, your new book's coming out soon as well. We'll look forward to that too. Fantastic. Thanks again and we'll speak to you right, soon. Well, I can leave you with your list of viewers. One last thought. Remember, oh, yes. when a person you can't stand is there, life is not a test. It's an actual emergency. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks, Dr. Rick. Thanks, guys, for listening. We hope you enjoyed that interview. We got a lot out of it and I'm sure you did too. Guys, if if there's one thing you can do for us, it would be hit subscribe or write a review. It means a lot. Give us good ratings and iTunes and more people are listening out here. Yep. Even mention it to one friend and say, no, this is too blood cell, right? And yeah. Yeah, it is. Share it there.